0: all right let's do this all right let's do this bring it your event is starting you're live all right hey everybody it's dan your friendly fishmonger from dansfish.com this is our weekly fish geek out session so we do this every wednesday seven o'clock p.m mountain time because you have to have mountain time sometime it's usually eastern time or pacific time nope now it's mountain time baby and um yeah, we're going to be talking about some aquarium fish stuff so here's how we do it basically i'm going to talk to you about some stuff to get us started and then if you have any questions or comments about anything related to aquarium fish or keeping fish breeding fish shipping fish selling fish online importing fish uh Pretty much anything to do with aquarium fish, then feel free to leave it and I'll get to it and we'll talk about it Um, In order for me to see your question or comment if you would kindly make it at Dan's fish That's the at symbol. Then just start typing Dan's fish. It'll populate You'll see Dan's fish appear in a little box select it and then type your comment and that way I'll see it and I'll be able to jump right to it like reels did no i was 19th says real and i see that because he made it at dance fish so that's how we do it here um have some cool stuff to tell you about today i am excited about the fish i got in this week and i'm looking forward to what's coming in next week at least i hope is coming in next week so uh, i can't wait to tell you all about that also some fish that i've been um, trying to get ready to sell for a long time but have had a lot of problems uh, some of those are finally getting ready to go. So I'm excited to tell you about that as well. Um, yeah, so with that, let me say hi to some folks. Angela Turner, who was first. That's what happens when you're 42 minutes early. Hot on her heels was Reels Tanks. Hey, y'all. Hope Fry NATO is going well, real. I saw uh, Michael Wilson, Sabathi Filla, and Robert P. Hey, everybody. John Deere i uh, glad the soretails are doing well. By the way, anyone that's thinking of getting the uh, cauliflower hyphen red-eyed red albino soretails, what a mouthful. Be aware they are jumpers. So have a lid and keep the lid shut. Keep it tight because for some reason, unlike almost any other swordtail I've had, these guys like to jump. So, but John, I'm glad yours are doing well. And uh, Glenn Norton. Hey, good to see you. Lumpy Dog. Hey, Lumpy. Glad you made it. And Bob Kaler. All right. We got our two mods here keeping stuff down. Uh, Candy's probably in Corey's stream and Pam, 54 Punchy, is working. So with that, let's get to it. I'm going to talk about some stuff and then I'll get to your questions and comments that you leave below. So I want to show you some cool stuff I got in. The first thing is those loaches that are on the thumbnail for this live stream and they actually look pretty much like that they're an uh, an almost maybe a black or really close to black with bright gold lines now i bought those on a total gamble they they were called gold line pandas i was like well Not quite sure what that is, but I could tell from the supplier and from um, the location that they were coming from that they were probably some kind of pandaloach. So what they appear to be is either very closely related to the pandaloach or the same species as the pandaloach, just a different location or color variation of them. I've never seen this fish before. This is a first for me. I've seen the panda loach and they're awesome, but that's pretty much, as you know, a a black and white kind of spotted loach, big bold blotches of black and white. This is like a black and gold with the lines on it. So I was thrilled when they arrived and they were that awesome looking cool fish. So the care for them, I assume, is gonna be the same as a panda loach. Um, Cooler temperatures if you can. I wouldn't go higher than say I don't know 75 or so or if you do go higher you got to have a lot of oxygen going in the water and but you know cooler is better and they're a grazer so they're going to want to graze on algae and off swatch and all all that other stuff off the surfaces kind of like a hillstream loach in a way or a on goby or something like that they kind of have that kind of thing going on so that's how I'm going to keep them but again I'm not sure if they're the same species and just a different population, perhaps, or if they're a new species, but I think closely related. But yeah, when those came, I was so glad because sometimes I make these gambles and I order something and I'm like, I think this is probably this, but I'm not 100 percent sure because the names suppliers use are sometimes really funny and sometimes stuff comes in and i'm like oh man that's not what i wanted at all <laughs> so i was glad when these showed up there's another cool fish i got in that i don't have a picture of for you because i can't find it online it's called a what what is it let me just double check yeah it's called the blue belly goby and i'm familiar with the blue belly goby from like indonesia or maybe it's malaysia I don't know exactly where, but that part of the the world. These are different. These come from China. And I can't find any information on them. I'm not sure exactly what they are. They're a cool little goby. And they haven't quite colored up yet or anything. But I'm excited to see what those turn into. And I I would share a picture with you, but they're still in the acclimation tank. Uh, They're under quarantine. And... um, I, I just haven't got a good picture and there are no pictures online because I, this is a fish I've never seen before, never heard of before. There's probably goby geeks out there that are like, yeah, that's, that's this, you know, but I'm not that person. So for me, they're a completely new fish. So I'm really excited to see what those end up being. Um, apart from that, let me go over the list with you. So got some of these in uh Sudamugil signifer a beautiful little blue eye rainbow fish like these guys a lot they came in haven't lost a one they're looking great I'm really excited about this next one this is uh, a Pelvicachromis and I think that it's humilis I think it's this guy that came in so these came out of West Africa came out of I believe they were Nigeria I'd have to check the country again and I got 20 of them and they appear to be doing really well so i i'm gonna once they settle in and color up then i'll be posting a video to some you know true uh pelvic nerds <laughs> experts for some confirmation on the identification but i'm pretty sure that they're pelvic humilis, which is which is cool I got some more of the hyphen cauliflower red-eyed red swordtails in. Um, That was a gamble, too. I did that to try to get some males. I'm happy to say I did get some males, but only like six or seven. So what that means is I'm probably going to be selling them in groups like one male to three females or one male and four females in groups just because otherwise i'm gonna get stuck with all these females now the females are gorgeous as well so i'm you know it's they're they're a great fish but if you're trying to breed or something it's hard without a male so and and the great news is chef hannibal told me last week that his have had babies so they there is some fertility there it is possible to breed them um they're tricky though if they weren't they would already be established right if they were just a simple fish to breed and raise then they'd be all over because they're gorgeous but obviously they're a little bit tricky but um chef hannibal was able to do it if i remember right it was chef hannibal from last week um let's see here what else did we get in oh yeah uh the other one that we got in is this one which we all know and love this is the pandagara um so got in a nice group of them as well, just because that's a fish I like and haven't had in a long old time. So that's what we got in. I don't think I'm missing anything uh, this week. And there's also some fish that I've been treating and getting ready for a long time that are about ready to go. And so I'll tell you about those in a bit when conversation comes to a lull. But in the meantime, let me get to some questions and comments. Um Glenn Norton says, hey, well, hey, (laughs) Bob Kaler. Good evening, Bob. Glad you're here. Um, Oh, man, it already jumped on me. Chat jumping. Chat be jumping. Tampa Tom, glad you made it. Glad you made it. Is your motorcycle lonely, Tampa? What's going on? (laughs) You're making it here entirely too often, my friend. (laughs) I'm glad you're here, man. Hey, Craig, good to see you. Bob Kaler linking up where you can go to get a t-shirt. Skipper, hey, welcome. Um, Bob Kaler linking the GetGills Facebook group, which is a, an awesome Facebook group if you're into that kind of thing. We have a lot of fun there. Uh, by the way, I should mention that I'm doing a bad job of like promoting stuff. People are telling me I need to do better. So getgills.com, if you have fish to sell or if you want to buy fish from other hobbyists or buy fish online, go to getgills.com. You can create your own store there and sell your stuff, fish, shrimp, supplies, anything kind of aquarium related. So check that out if you're unaware. Um, And also at dancefish.com right now, killifish are still 50% off until March. So it's a smoking deal. The prices were already good. And so now they're half off what they were before. So until March, if you're into killifish, check them out. The Afiosimum Calliurum are absolutely stunning right now. Nice, hardy killifish, easy to breed, colorful. Um, if you're just getting into them and you want one to start with, that's a great one. Afiosimum Australis is another great one. Fundalopanchax Gardeneri, The Afiosimum Calliurum, which I have a ton of available, are in that same kind of ease category and, and kind of beautiful color category. Dolly Vigil, still looking for female threadfin rainbows for you, have not forgotten. Hey, did I miss the new fish just tuning in? You did. I I just went over it. So on the replay, you can get it. Um, But yeah, some cool stuff. Some really cool stuff. Some stuff that I don't know. I don't know if any, I don't know if they're even around like that. I might be the only one that even has some of these as far as I know because I've never seen them or heard of them before so that's pretty exciting for me. Skipper's Aquariums. Dan's fish are you gonna have to breed the swordtails? So I wanted to I've decided not to and I'll tell you why. There's so many people that are wanting them that I feel like if I distribute them some folks are really capable breeders And they're gonna be able to breed those um, and take care of that. So I would like to, but my tank space is really limited. I know I have a really kind of large, you know, fish room. Um, Technically, it's a store, it's a licensed retail store, and people do come in and like buy fish and stuff. But um, the issue is that it takes me three to five tanks to really breed any given species in enough quantity to to be meaningful. And demand has grown at dancefish.com to the point that I could take five tanks and raise these and probably several months to get a big group raised up and get a colony going and all that stuff. Or I can use those tanks, bring fish in, get them all healthy and stuff and send them back out. And so think of it like a restaurant. In, in this kind of fish business, in a restaurant, let's say you have a restaurant and there's ten tables, just little little restaurant, hole in the wall, right? Say it's the lunch rush, and if you have people come in to your ten tables and they're all full, it that's great. And let's say the run lunch rush is about two hours. If they all stay there for two hours, you have a problem because all the money you made, all the capacity you have is those people at those tables. Let's say each table seats five people. Okay, you had 50 people during the lunch rush. Let's say each person paid, I don't know, 10 bucks. You made 500 bucks. I know this isn't real economics, but okay, this is the example, right? Okay, let's say though, 50 people came in, the 10 tables were full, they ate, they left, you cleaned the tables, 50 more people came in, they ate, they left, that happened three or four times, now you've made, I don't know, a couple thousand dollars. So the economics of kind of the fish selling business um, is a hobbyist. And by the way, I consider myself a hobbyist. But if it's purely as a hobby, it doesn't matter so much. But if you're trying to do this for a living like I am, then I have to flip my tables. So what that means is I can't have five, three to five tanks, probably five. They're a big fish. Um for months tied up in a breeding project no matter how much i love the breeding project when i could be turning those tanks turning those tables right so that's that's what the decision is it's just it's just an economics business decision i wish i could breed them well i can breed them i i want to breed them but i have to kind of be smart about how i do it um when i think of it as a business so what i am not giving up though because i've been working on it so hard is the santa maria endler project so that's one that's near and dear to my heart and it's going really well and i'm really encouraged the batch of fry that is going to tell me whether i can start selling those or not um i've got some color coming in i can see the mail starting to develop and so far they're looking pretty good so um yeah so that's uh that's where we're at with that uh, Skipper's Aquarium. So, no, nope, I don't think I will be breeding those. I wish I was because they're awesome. And they're a neat challenge, right? Um, I first saw that fish, I think it was 10 years ago, those red-eyed red albino cauliflower swordtails, high fin. Um, and one would think that in 10 years, someone would have cracked the code and we'd have a nice population going and people could get a hold of them. But that's not the case. So the, the, the uh, challenge does tempt me. And if I still had my other job, then I would probably totally do it. But the deal is I, I resigned my professorship <laughs> at a college uh, back in June. June 21st. It was my birthday present to me, my 40th birthday present to myself. And um, so if I had that income still, I would totally do it. But the economics don't let me. So that's that's kind of the the thought process and going on in my mind about that. That being said, since I'm not doing it, you should totally do it. (laughs) Love a dog! Hold the swordtails for a few weeks to ensure all the females are pre-hit. Yeah, I could. Um, but then I'd have a big batch of fry I would have to <laughs> raise up and stuff. And that would tie up the tanks. But so I'm I'm not going to do that. I'm probably going to just uh, distribute them. And then maybe folks will have the same luck like Chef Hannibal did and be able to get some babies and get a colony going. And so... Um, but yeah, I, I hear you lumpy. I hear you. And, and that's not a bad strategy because then I could just keep all those frying kind of one tank. It wouldn't take three to five tanks. Um, so I, I do understand that. I don't know. That's tempting. I guess if anyone does give birth before I sell them, then maybe I'll keep those and raise them up. We'll, we'll leave it to the universe to decide, right? If that happens, great. Um, Michael Wilson. The crib has a new genus. Oh, really? Wallace Achromis humilis. Interesting. That is the first I've heard of that. See, this is why we need pelvic nerds in our world to tell us about that stuff. Yep. I see that. I just uh, Googled it so that I could remember that later. And that's totally what it's saying. I wonder who Wallace is. You probably know. So Michael Wilson, who's Wallace? Um, yeah. And so I'll be I'll be probably maybe Michael sending you a picture video of them uh, once they get kind of settled in. And I can do that so you can tell me if that indeed is what they are. Uh, you might be one of the pelvic achromis nerds I rely on for that. Richard Crackle. Hey, hello. Welcome. Glad you said hi. The Fish Tank Barn. Well, what's up? For those that haven't been checking them out, the Fish Tank Barn is building kind of a a facility, I guess you'd call it, a system, and uh, it's got some neat information up about doing that. So if that's something that you are interested in or, you know, thinking about doing in the future, um, check it out. Oh, wait, I missed a, I'm sorry, I missed a super chat. Let me get to that so I don't leave that hanging. Small Fry Aquarium Fish, how's the pizza in Wyoming? have one on me. Thanks. (laughs) Craig, I appreciate that. Thanks so much. (laughs) That was an easy one to answer. So there's good pizza and horrible pizza. So coming from Los Angeles, there was lots of different pizza there, right? Now, I know you folks in Chicago and New York right now are going to be like, Los Angeles doesn't have real pizza. Like, I I get it. I get it. I get it. But uh, there were lots of options in Los Angeles. In Wyoming, the first pizza place I went to here, we went to and, you know, we're thinking pizza, how do you screw that up? They found a way, like it was so bad. Oh, it was gross. It it was like doughy kind of raw crust with like, the sauce was like the consistency of like snot. It was just, they managed to destroy pizza. Like, how do you do that? So that was my first experience. With Wyoming pizza. Not good. I've only been back to that place, I think, twice when friends had like birthday parties or like get togethers and they happened to be holding them there. So that's the only time I went back. I don't think I've eaten any other pizza there, though. Like they literally put like ground hamburger on top of the pizza on this like snot sauce. It is so bad. Um, But then I found another place. If you ever come to Sheridan, it's called Powder River Pizza. And it's really good. So we've got we got both the yin and the yang, and then we've also got like you know just your standard kind of big box pizza places. But thank you for the nineteen ninety nine. I appreciate that, Craig. Thanks so much. All right, the fish tank barn picked up a new limia species, Limus sulfur uh, sulfur <laughs> sulfurophila. <laughs> ever kept them? Nope, I've never kept that one. Let's take a look at what that is so folks can see it. Um, Just a sec here, I'm gonna pop it into the Google machine and we'll take a look. I'm guessing bright yellow. That's my guess. Okay, here's what it is. So it must be this one. It must be because of that yellow spot uh, down here. This, this yellow sulfurous spot, maybe? Is that the gravid spot on the female? It's like yellow. Yeah, that's cool. Cool fish. Nice score, man, where did you find those? That that seems like that would be a hard one to find, I would think. But good for you, Fish Tank Barn. I Hopefully they're as easy as any of the other limias. Most of them, for me, have proven to be as easy as like platys to breed. So I hope you have good luck with them. Never kept them. I don't even know if I've ever seen them in like a friend's fish room or anything. So I don't know the first thing about them. Um, how about you? Like what, how do you set them up? What do you know about them? How are they doing? Dolly Vigil, the new rainbow fish that you just showed that starts with the Pseudomugil. <laughs> do you know what the max size their reach is? They look cool. Like they had a suit of armor. Yeah. So the Signifer is going to max out at I would guess around two inches, maybe less. So they're kind of like Sudamugil uh, Fricata, the forktail blue eye or um, Sudamugil uh, Tenelis. So that same thing, just a small little, you know, two inches would be pretty good size for those guys. They might be able to get a tiny bit bigger than two inches, but most of them that you'll see are probably going to be actually under two inches. And I'd have to dig in and see if it's a more dwarf species. Some of the little pseudomugils, like Gertrude, if those get an inch, they're pretty big. Um, they're really nano fish. But my guess is two inches on these would be a, a big one. If anyone's kept them and seen them bigger, let me know. Like, call me out if I'm wrong on that. But that's the max that I've, if I'm remembering how big I've seen the biggest ones, my guess is it was right around two inches. Tom. 199 super chat. Thank you. Always appreciated. Never required, but always greatly appreciated. Pizza and a balloon. <laughs> I've got a balloon. <laughs> or a party. Maybe balloons for party. Thanks, Tampa. That's awesome. Appreciate it. Um, all right. This one is not at Dan's Fish, but I think it's cool. And the name is intriguing. I remember saying this last week or the week before. Hobbit Habits slash bri bri or Bry made my first AquaBid purchase today. Super excited to pick up these albino longfin pepper quarries. Well, good. Awesome. I hope they do well for you and good for you, the, the world of online fish buying. It's exciting. Lumpy Dog, oh yeah, the video on how to use Get Gills. There's a video kind of taking you through it. Lumpy Dog is linking that. Thank you, Lumpy Dog. Dolly Vigil, the new rainbow fish that you whoa, whoa whoa, I already read that. Rob Truitt. Any experience or tips raising grammy fry, feeding infusoria three to five times daily? Opaline grammies. I haven't read I haven't bred opalines, but I've bred grammies. And uh, yeah, that's the challenge, right? It's this tiny little fry. My best tip is, for me, the easiest way to feed those guys is to get a tank and um, get a ton of life in it, but nothing that will eat tiny little fries. So get blackworms in there, get snails in there, maybe caridina shrimp in there, stuff like that, a bunch of plants, and then... Feed like a chunk of vegetables. Like, take a piece of pumpkin, like a square of pumpkin, freeze it so that the cells kind of uh, get weakened. So it becomes kind of, it's not exactly mushy, but really easy for stuff to eat and it breaks down quicker. Stab it with a fork and stick it in there. All the stuff will kind of go to that and start eating that. When that's done, get a different kind of vegetable or fruit, apples, whatever. Same thing. Stick a fork in it. Sometimes freezing it is great because it makes it uh, easier for them to eat. Sometimes you can boil it a little bit. Zucchini, all that stuff. Stick it in there. And what you're trying to do basically, oh, and by the way, this is a tank you treat like a normal fish tank in most ways. It has a sponge filter in it. You do water changes on it, all that stuff. Okay. Maybe the bottom gets grungy, though, because you can't siphon the bottom as well, because, uh, you know, you've got a bunch of critters down there, but you keep it as kind of like a a fish tank. Um, Plants in there are great. A light on there for them, all that. The reason you're doing this is all that kind of vegetable and fruit matter. You want to keep that in there consistently. So As soon as it's almost gone, get a new piece and stick it on and stick it in there. What's going to happen is you're going to get a bloom of like cloudy water in there. And the key is to keep the system to where you can keep it cloudy, but not rancid. And that's what kind of all those little critters do. They help eat that stuff. They keep it in balance. And basically that white cloudy stuff is bacteria and infusoria. Once you have that, there's two things you can do. You can, um, if you change the water kind of not super frequently, then you can get a really dense cloud in there. And you can just scoop water out of that tank and put it into the rearing tank with your Garami Fry. And just keep that in there so that the Garami Fry tank is just a tiny bit cloudy, but not like super, super cloudy. That's a great way to do it. The other way you can do it is if the tank isn't uh, s- super, super cloudy, you can put the gourami fry right in there and they can just raise up in there. So those are the two, I think, kind of easiest ways to do it. You can do the like sterile little raising container, um, like little plastic shoebox or something or a small aquarium. You can do that. And that does work, but it's a lot more effort and you won't have as, in my experience, won't have as high a survival rate. So that's what I would do. Either in the rearing tank, dip out the soup and put it in there, or if the soup isn't so thick that that the fry are going to die because they're deprived of oxygen, basically, then you can put the fry right in the soup, uh, that other aquarium. I think those are kind of the most labor-free ways to do it. There are other ways you can do it, um, but those are kind of the, the things that I think are not as labor intensive. And you get a high, high survival rate because those fry are constantly surrounded with food. So that's what I would consider doing. Either way you do it, I wouldn't do it until that tank is really established. So you aren't getting ammonia spikes, even though it's like full of like life and full of infusoria and probably bacteria, it's still stable, right? You aren't getting spikes of of, um, ammonia or nitrite. And it takes a little while for it to reach that equilibrium. And that's where the plants come in. Like floating water sprite really helps with that. Or if you're doing the rearing tank, it's best to rear them in a very well-established tank for the same reason. You can feed them really heavily and hopefully avoid those spikes. So that's my best advice on raising really tiny little... Stuff like garami fry. Um, Let's see here. Who? Hang on, it's jumping on me again. (laughs) So, ah, hang on. There we are. We're back to it. So, so Rob, that's kind of that's probably the approach I would probably take. Something along those lines. Hope that helps. It does mean having a tank that you kind of dedicate to live food and a lot of people don't want to do that and I get it because space is limited and it's like why I could put fish in there. So I get it if you don't want to try it but uh, to me it's 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 not bulletproof but it's kind of as close to it as is I've found. Now there is something else I've been wanting to try. There's these rotifer cultures. There's these rotifer kits um where you can supposedly keep a rotifer culture going and those are an awesome great first food for fry the reason i haven't pulled the trigger on it though is they require daily maintenance like the culture is going to crash if you can't keep up on it for a rotifer culture in these systems that i'm talking about um if you don't keep up on it pretty much daily then from what i've red and stuff they're likely to crash on you and i just sometimes i have to travel like i got things going on so i can't i can't make that commitment but that's what hatcheries that raise tons of like i don't know zebra danios or fish for research and stuff they they tend to use systems like that so i've been tempted but but i haven't tried it yet and it's just a maybe one day kind of thing yeah um so yeah, Rob, good luck. Uh, let us know next week how you're doing. Hopefully everything goes well and you can you can raise them up. But if not this time, they'll spawn again. You know, it's it's trial and error. We all learn as we go and make adjustments as, as things work or don't work. That's kind of how it is. So hope it works for you, though. Jonathan Santiago, Santiago, probably, can't wait for my humpback limias to arrive. Me neither. Um, me neither. So sent this fish out on Tuesday and they're all scheduled to arrive tomorrow. So since it was Tuesday instead of Monday, like usual, I don't have any reports of anything arriving and tracking said everything's supposed to arrive Thursday for some reason. So I did think stuff would be arriving today because usually that's more or less next day, but it's not. (laughs) So, yeah, but I can't wait for them to arrive either. I hope you like them they're amazing little fish and if they're breeding as well as they're in my soft like often acidic water then they should do great for you uh california hard water in that area I, I know the area you're in and i've i've lived you know close to there and i know people that keep fish there and they should do so well in that hard hard water so skippers aquariums um Unless Jonathan, I'm confusing you with someone else, but I, I think I, I think I know who you are. <laughs> Forgive me if I'm all messed up right now. Skipper's aquariums send me a trio. I will do it for you. I think he's talking about breeding the uh, swordtails. Yeah. Uh, thanks again uh, to small fry aquarium fish for the super chat. That's where I'm at. If you're wondering, I'm catching up. I'm catching up. Reels tanks the fry NATO. So a ton, ton. <laughs> I don't know, several hundred. Uh, angelfish Fry is Frynado. Has moved to 40 breeder and it still looks like it is packed. Video coming out soon. Cool. I love watching those videos real of Frynado. It's so cool to see a tank just clouded with fry. Blackwater asking me about a cichlid that I don't know about. Will you ever get any sagica, I guess cichlids or any Crobia zinguensis. So I'm going to see, so the Crobias, there is something on the list every week called a red-tailed Crobia. And I've done some research and it looks to me like it's pretty much uh, actually like a kind of Jack Dempsey, like something really closely related to Jack Dempsey, and I, I forget the name of it. I, I knew it when I was researching them, and so I decided not to get them in. Um, so Crobia for me, that specific one, Zinguensis, is not something that I've ever seen available. Um, actually, I take that back. From the suppliers that I normally purchase from, never seen available. They're probably available from some others, but there are some suppliers I just almost never purchase from because um, the sheer massive volume required to do that import, these are imports, instead of like agents bringing stuff in for me or transhippers or wholesalers, Um, it's just not something I can handle right now. But let's see what this is. So let's see, is this the T-bar cichlid? Oh, yeah, 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 I'm familiar with this fish. So these are what we're talking about. I believe Blackwater. So um, not a fish that I know a ton about, but I believe T-bar cichlids, or that's what the lists call them, or something that, that I could, I could do. Um, I haven't looked into that fish specifically. Um, let me know how big they get. If they don't get too big, And let me know if they're kind of, are they peaceful or are they like super aggressive? They don't get too big. And if they're peaceful enough that I can keep a big colony in one tank, um, then that's a fish that I would maybe consider getting in. It's sure a beautiful looking fish. But yeah, I don't, I've never done any research on it. So not one I've ever tried to get in. Slippery fish aquatics. Can't wait for the killifish. Me neither. They're, They're looking amazing. If you didn't see it yet, I I just put out a video. I caught a couple males sparring and that's up on YouTube. It's a short video. Um, They were sparring, got the camera, got a few seconds of footage. And then, of course, they noticed the camera and just like stopped. So (laughs) but it kind of shows you what they look like now. They've they've really colored up. They've come into their own and they're stunning right now. They're just beautiful. So I can't wait for you to get them either. Uh, for those that don't know, that's Afusimum caliurum uh, from Ogun, which is just an awesome, hardy, great little killifish. The fish tank barn. Found it at a local auction. Cool. Well, enjoy those limias. I hope you breed them. What is it? sulfurophilia? I think. Something like that. Hope they do well for you. Alrighty. Lemmy Dog, Lincoln tutorial to the Vet Get Gills video. The Vet... I said Vet Bills. <laughs> I have vet bills, too. That's no fun. Uh, my One of my cats developed uh, urine crystals. So now we're on that special CD, science diet, 80 bucks a bag kind of food. It's kind of crazy. But, yeah. Vet bills. I know them well. The fish tank barn. I have the limia set up in a 10-gallon tank. What I have found so far from the seller and the internet is that they are easy to breed like the others. Cool. So I'd imagine... Uh, you know, uh, 70s to low 80s and hard water if you got it and some plants and maybe you can get them going like the others. Have the others spawned for you? I can't remember. I think in the videos I've seen that, that the uh, Niger Fasciata and the um, Perugia have bred for you, right? I, I would imagine the setup's pretty much the same. Aquascaping 101, Dan, I miss those white cheek gobies. Hope you get those back soon. Me too. I look for them every week. They're a fish I love. In the moment they're available, I'll be getting a bunch. But they've uh, been available for a long time. So that's Rhinogobius uh, Duosphorus or something like that. It used to be called Rhinogobius Wooey or which is a much funner name. But um, the white cheek goby. For those that don't know what we're talking about, great little goby. Very seasonal, though. So I, aquascaping, as soon as I can, I'll be getting some. I wish I had them right now. Kayler's Aquatics. Do you still have a pair of the Pelvic acromis sacramontis? I don't. Um, there's uh, some local folks that really, really wanted them. And so, and since they weren't breeding for me, um, I went ahead and gave them to them to give them a shot. But I know, Bob, that yours spawned, so... That's awesome. so these are Chromus Sacramontis or wait Sacramonti I think the s is silent on the end you said Bob something like that. Um, they're a care species just this gorgeous pelvic species out of Nigeria a little bit hard to find well worth keeping and breeding and Bob has done it. He's bred the wild one of the wild pairs I sent him and Bob I hope they're still doing well. I hope the babies are still alive. Um, yeah, uh, I was so excited to see those videos. So for those that want to see it, Kayler's Aquatics has some videos on them. Uh, one was released what yesterday, and one the day before that, I think, about them spawning. So check them out. But yeah, they weren't uh, they weren't spawning. F- well, they were like spawning behavior, but I never saw any eggs. So they kept tricking me. They kept like she would go into the black. I mean, isn't she gorgeous when she's in spawning mode? She turns like this really dark color with that kind of red, big red box on her belly. Um, And so they would do that. I would swear sometimes that they had spawned, but I never saw eggs, never saw wrigglers. So there's something about how I had them that uh, just didn't work for them. So, so nope, I don't have them anymore, but I'm hoping that the person that does uh, has good luck with them get some fry going small fry quarrying fish the monday holiday didn't do us any favors on shipping uh-oh Ida box arrive in seattle from cleveland today and michigan and india are scheduled for thursday and friday go figure uh did you ship on saturday because if so yeah that's a long time if you shipped on tuesday that doesn't so- sound so bad but i'm guessing you're talking about the friday shipment yeah Robert P. Wow. 58 watching only nine likes. Yeah. Like shaming. I, I like it. <laughs> Good job. Like shaming Robert P. 55 watching now, man, it's going down. It's supposed to go up, up, up. Also, I'm really close to 4,000 subs. So if anyone here likes the stuff and just hasn't got around to clicking that button yet, and you want to, you're invited because I'm so darn close to 4,000 subs. That would be awesome. Um, but thanks Robert P. Mr. DDS 1520. fish. what is your experience with feeding frozen foods? Have you experienced or found that it can give fish parasites and or hole in the head? You hear different pros and cons. Thanks. Um, I've been feeding frozen foods for over 25 years. I've never had a problem that I can link to the frozen food. So uh, nope I feed it. I think it's better for your fish than a lot of foods. It digests cleaner. There aren't a bunch of fillers in it. The exoskeleton on a lot of the foods like brine shrimps and daphnia and uh, cyclops and stuff does a great job of kind of helping clean out the digestive tract of the fish. So no, I feed it all the time and I have no fear feeding it. So I've never seen that. Now, here's what I suspect the problem is with frozen food is that I and I've been thinking about making a video on this for a long time. okay so here's how the average person feeds frozen food. and if you do this, by the way, that's fine if it's working for you. Um, but it can be a problem in some systems. but if you have an aquarium that's set up in a way that it can process all the stuff I'm about to talk about, then it's not a problem. But a lot of people take frozen food and they just literally take it out of the freezer and put it right in the tank and here's what's happening if you take that food and instead of putting it right in your tank put it in like a clear container and thaw it first and then stir it up you're gonna see um how much biological just junk food you're putting into your aquarium when you do that okay again If your tank is well-established and it's like, I do this all the time, it's not a problem, great, it can process through that stuff. But if you just take food and put it right in the tank, just be aware that there's the food the fish eat and then there's a bunch of fine particles and juice, basically, that they can't eat that is released into the water column. And I feel like if people do get hole in the head, often that's associated with you know, their immune system being compromised because they're stressed because it may be a dirty aquarium in some cases. And so I feel like maybe instead of the, they're eating the food and has a parasite and that's creating the hole in the head. To me, it's more likely that they're putting a bunch of waste into the tank that the fish aren't eating. And that's maybe creating an environment where the fish succumbs to hole in the head, if that makes sense. So What I do is I take my frozen foods, I put them in a, I have this bucket that I use, I put them in there, they're thawed, I I stir it all up, let it settle to the bottom, then I pour it off, and I do that a few times until the water kind of runs clear, so I'm not adding a bunch of just uh, waste basically into my aquariums, Uh, the food I'm putting in there for the most part is stuff the fish can actually eat. And you see this really strongly with like bloodworms, just like that red bleh, hemoglobin, I guess, that is just all in the water column. So when I feed bloodworms, I just rinse them to the point that that water runs clear. And then, then I'll feed that. Mycest shrimp, same thing. I would never feed mycest shrimp straight to my fish because there's so much like protein and fat and stuff that is going to get rinsed away if you rinse it out first. And you don't really want that stuff just going into your aquarium. It just makes a big mess. So that's my thoughts on that, uh, Mr. DDS 1520, that uh, I think frozen foods are great. I think if you rinse them before you put them into the tank and clean them out first, or clean, it's not even the stuff in them, just the juice and the stuff that tiny particles and stuff that just creates a mess... Get that off first. Another way you can do it is I also have a food net. So I'll just rinse all the food out and then I'll run it through the net and rinse it out really good. And that is another way to do it. With bloodworms, that doesn't work as well because they have their little, um, they have this surface area grippers is what I call them. On one end, there's these little mechanisms that allow them to go to the surface and, and just stick to the surface tension of the water so they can breathe and hang up there that that sticks in the net really strongly so it's kind of hard to rinse them out well Um, although sometimes i do it and then i just take the net full of bloodworms stuck on it and stick that in a tank and let the fish just eat off the net but yeah i to me that's my thoughts about frozen food i think they're great but i would never feed frozen food without rinsing them first now a lot of you I, I'm sure do feed without rinsing them. I'm not trying to call anything out. If it works for you, great. But I think it can be a problem when you're just adding a whole bunch of stuff to your tank that your fish can't eat. Why put that load on your aquarium? Skipper's Aquariums. I have tanks that I picked up that used to have reptiles and rats in it. Cool. What is the best way to clean tanks to get them ready for fish? I made a vid. All right, Skipper's got a vid. Check it out. Um, For me, it's hydrogen peroxide. You can use bleach. I just don't, I don't like the smell of bleach as much. <laughs> hydrogen peroxide is kind of odorless. Hydrogen peroxide also degenerates into water and oxygen. So the waste products of hydrogen peroxide are actually beneficial to fish. Water and oxygen. H2O and O2, that's it. So that's what I generally prefer. So I would. what I would do is I would scrub out the tank as well as I could. First off, make sure it's actually an aquarium and not a terrarium. Terrariums have very thin glass and they aren't necessarily sealed really well. So they don't, that thin glass isn't thick enough to hold water, right? The, the pressure of the water is gonna burst through that. So make sure that if it had reptiles and rats in it, that it's an aquarium, not a terrarium. If it's an aquarium, I scrub it out as well as I could with like just water and a scrubby pad Um, then I would fill it. If it was a 75 gallon tank, I'd put like a whole container of hydrogen peroxide in there. Like the normal Brown. What is it? A quart? I'm not sure what it is. Container that you can get for 99 cents at Walmart. I'd put that in there. Um, heck I'd do that in a 30 gallon. I'd just put a whole thing in there too. And I would let it sit for a few hours. Probably have an air stone in there or a pump in there to kind of circulate it around. And then I would empty it out, rinse it out, fill it up, ready to go. That's how I would do it. I don't think you need to do like any long process. I feel like hydrogen peroxide or bleach, you could use bleach if you don't mind the smell. And you kind of have to rinse that out really carefully and maybe put d in there after you rinse it and all that stuff. But um, yeah, I think hydrogen peroxide will clean stuff out pretty quickly. In fact, that's how I clean my brine shrimp hatcheries. When I, uh, when they get really kind of gross and, um, I need to clean them or the hatch rate's going to fall off or they start to smell or like I get busy or go to have to go to a meeting and don't catch the hatch on time. So it dies off on there and just like rots, you know, hydrogen peroxide is what I use. So I'll fill it with water. Like I'm hatching, no eggs, just water, Put in hydrogen peroxide bubble it for a few hours rinse it out and ready to go so that's my favorite i like hydrogen peroxide a lot better than bleach uh just because of the smell and the byproducts hey joseph good to see you jh aquatics howdy skippers aquariums i have tanks that i picked up oh just read that one <laughs> The fish tank barn. The other limias that I got from you haven't spawned yet. Really? I just got them in November. Some of them are gravid. Okay, good. So soon. Okay, good. So they're still growing out. And I'm glad they're gravid for you, though. That's good. Bathyphila. In some of your videos, you mentioned using gel foods. What benefit do you find from them? So when I say gel foods... Um, what I really mean is Rapashi. That's the one I use, but there might be other brands out there that I'm just not aware of that are kind of the same thing, maybe for different countries and stuff. Here's what I love about Rapashi, um, or gel foods in general, but Rapashi is the one that I use. First, I can make a batch, and it's going to last a week or two. It doesn't seem to like go moldy or rot quickly at all, so I can keep it in the fridge and have food for a week maybe push in two weeks if it starts to smell funky or or that or water starts to run out of it like is breaking down or something then i throw it away um but or if i make too much i'll freeze some and use it later so it's not something i have to make every day which is nice but the reason i love it is it's a great way to keep food in front of fish for long periods of time without fouling your tank water so you can do this with live food too with flakes and stuff if you feed them and they don't eat it right away then it's going to create a big mess and those flakes are going to like in short order kind of disassemble right just not necessarily deteriorate but uh, one flake is just going to turn into this powder and it's going to go all over your aquarium and um, become a big mess in a hurry right Live food's great because you can put a bunch in there, the fish can eat it, since it's alive, it's not dying and decomposing and making a mess, it can stay in there until the fish eat it, which is one reason live food's so great. is kind of the same as live food. So you put a chunk of rapashi in there, it's gonna take many hours before that chunk kind of dissolves in the water and you get all these little particles swimming, uh, floating around. So what you can do is you can put a chunk of rapashi in your tank and you can go to work and you can come back in the evening and any that they haven't eaten, you just remove. So all day long, they've had food in front of them. This is wonderful if you have skinny fish that have just been imported that you're trying to fatten up. If you have fish that you're trying to get into spawning conditions, you want to feed them a lot. So the females bulk up with eggs. If you have fry that you're trying to raise up, um, the biggest reason fry die is A, they starve, or B, their water gets contaminated uh, and they get ammonia or nitrites, ammonia, really. Um, and Ripashi kind of makes that possible. So that's why I love them. Uh, gel foods allow me to keep food in front of fish while minimizing the possibility that they're going to create some kind of like ammonia spike in the aquarium. So you just have to remove any uneaten rapashi before it breaks down. But again, that takes many hours. So that's why I like it. Uh, The spotted headstanders that I have right now, there's a lot of fish that are grazers. So a lot of fish don't eat big meals and then they're done. That's like what a big predator does, like a peacock bass or something. But a lot of fish, like spotted headstanders, or a lot of the little uh, grazing gobies like the stifidons or, or some of the loaches and stuff, they're grazers. They eat small little meals all day long. So with my spotted headstanders, the reason I'm having success with them is I can put a bunch of rapache in there and they can kind of pick at it all day long at their leisure. They don't have to like eat one big meal or a couple big meals and then and then be okay the rest of the day. That fish is not designed like that. And as they settle in and are learning what captive foods are and, and, you know, going through that kind of stressful period of uh, adjusting to captivity and the foods we feed and all that, then Rapashi is super helpful because it allows me to keep food in front of them and they can just kind of graze out on it. So the stifidons love it. Headstanders love it. It's great for f- fish that can be difficult to feed because they're grazers. So, That's, that's why I love them. Yeah. Mr. DDS. Thanks for the info. Yes. I follow the method you described. I do feed flakes and pellets. Oh yeah, I do too. But also alternate the second feeding with frozen bloodworms, beef heart and shrimp to my swords. Thanks. That's awesome. Yeah. Good. Um, And the nice thing about the flakes and pellets is they'll have some vegetable matter in them probably, which helps the swords. Swords, do a lot better if they have a good amount of vegetable matter in their diet. And so me too, I don't feed frozen exclusively. I usually feed it, I don't know, maybe once a day, sometimes every other day. Um, Flakes and pellets are great because they have vitamins. Uh, They're kind of coated in vitamins. So I use them mainly to make sure the fish are getting the vitamins and minerals. And then I use the frozen foods and the live foods uh, to kind of make sure that they're getting enough protein and stuff. And then the Rapashi I use just to make sure they're not going hungry <laughs> in between, if that makes sense. So, yeah, Mr. DDS, 1520, sounds like, sounds like that's great. Skipper's Aquariums, thank you. Well, you're welcome. 55 watching. Hey, everyone's still with us. 56. Yeah, we gained one. <laughs> welcome, whoever just joined us. And all you lurkers out there, by the way, I feel you. I lurk all the time. Total respect. Uh, For those that aren't lurking and want active chat, if you're new here or you've forgotten, the way to get me to respond to your comment is to make it at Dan's Fish. What happens if you do that is it highlights for me so I know you want me to talk to you. And so when that happens, I'll go right to your comment and, uh, and read it. If you don't do that, then I assume you're just talking among yourselves um, and I'll miss your comment. So if, if I'm not responding to your comment, it's most likely because it's not at Dan's fish. So it's not highlighting for me. So I'm not seeing it. It's not that I'm trying to ignore you, I promise. So the at symbol, no space, just the at symbol and start typing immediately Dan's fish. You'll see it populate, select that. Then go ahead and type your question or comment for me. And... Um, And it'll highlight for me and so I'll know, hey, this person wants me to respond. And I will. Um, I bring that up because I just saw Francisco Cuellar saying, getting discus anytime soon. Um, I don't have any plans to do that. I was really tempted the other day. Um, There was some some awesome discus at at a price that made sense. From a supplier that I have some confidence in <laughs> and I, I almost did it but here's the problem is I just don't keep my fish room warm enough so like I have uh, some cooler water catfish right now I have cooler water gobies and garas and loaches um, I'm toying with the idea of getting some bitterlings in things like that and so a lot of the fish I keep just don't like it hot and I'm a guy that keeps the fish room at a temperature, I don't heat my tanks individually. I keep this room warm and the tanks are just the temperature of the room or like a couple degrees less because uh, of evaporated, you know, they evaporate a bit and that cools them. But so since I'm not heating all the tanks individually, I can't really get discus because I don't have any tanks that are consistently warm enough to keep them happy. So that's why I'm not doing that. One day I'll get my dream warehouse And there'll be a big section that is kept at like 85, 84 degrees. And I'll do discus and rams and a lot of the plecos. And, you know, there's a lot of fish that like it hot like that. Some of the pupfish, some of the aphanius, which are different killifish that I really like. uh, Keep, you know, love that. Then I'll get discus again. Um, Then there'll be another section that's like, I don't know, 75 degrees or so for your normal fish. And then there'll be a section that's kept at like 68 or so for your cooler water stuff. So one day I'll have that, but until I raise a quarter million bucks, I won't. <laughs> um, um, Kayler chiming in regarding frozen foods and their juice post thawing. I found jumbo bloodworms to be much less juicy. Cool. And more intact solid, once thought. Hikari does them too at the same cost. That's good to know. By the way, not all live foods are, cr- or not all frozen foods are made equal. Um, and I'm not sponsored to say this or anything, but in my experience, Hikari in general is the cleanest, both for bloodworms and for brine shrimp, um, which are the ones I generally feed. And my favorite mysis is PE Mysis, piscine Energetics, because it's a freshwater mysis. Um, they're collecting them out of these lakes they shouldn't be in, these cold glacier lakes in, in Canada. And so they're actually doing the environment a service by trying to by harvesting all these invasive shrimp out of this lake where the shrimp don't belong. So I, I like that. And also, since there are freshwater mysis and I have freshwater fish, I don't know. It's probably not that important, but I, I don't know. Makes sense to me. So <laughs> that's why I do that. But Hikari in general... I think does a pretty bang up job when it comes to their frozen foods. Now I've used San Francisco Bay brand as well. I still use it like, but it takes a lot more rinsing. I have some in the freezer right now, um, but it takes quite a bit more rinsing, but I got it on sale. So I got a bunch, um, but yeah, Bob, that's good to know the, the big jumbo bloodworms are less messy. Okay. Bob Kaler, linking up, want to buy or sell fish? Here you go to the Get Gills catalog. If you have fish to buy, if you have fish to buy, (laughs) if you have fish to sell or you want to browse some fish and possibly buy some, GetGills.com is a place where you, yes, you can list your fish for sale or you can browse fish that other people have listed for sale. Um, So check it out. Hey, I got, woo wee. Thanks, Bob. Kaler's Aquatics, 25 bucks for the warehouse fund. No more professor. (laughs) Thanks, Bob. I appreciate that. Um, I'm actually working on plans for that warehouse. Right now, it's just a a dream in the back of my mind. But um, I don't know. I have a way of making things that I want to do happen. So maybe it'll happen someday. Here's ideally what it would do. And I haven't research this at all yet but ideally there's a local creek here that has just beautiful water like trout are in it the water source is like i can see it from my house the mountain it comes off of i can see it it's it's not going through a bunch of urban areas and collecting a bunch of runoff and things like that it's pretty pristine water so my idea is if i can find a spot close enough to that creek and if i can get the Requisite permits to make this happen. I haven't researched it that deeply yet. What I love to do is take water from there, pump it into the facility um, and use that kind of creek water as the basis for for the facility. I think that would be awesome. So. Yep. So kind of like half from there and half from a well because the well water tends to be hard. So that would be for like live bears and African cichlids like rift like cichlids and stuff. And then the soft water for all the other stuff. So I don't know. I've got I've got plans. Right now there it's just a dream, but uh I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Bob says, love verpashi. I'm using it now with discus and angel fish. They love to pick at it between feedings. Yeah, it's great for fish like that. Like discus in the wild, they don't eat like massive meals and be done, they kind of pick all day. They've done uh, stomach reviews <laughs> of discus, and almost all of what they eat is detritus. Um, they're just kind of picking at algae and muck and stuff, um, and every now and then they get lucky and find a little organism and, and eat it. They, they very rarely are eating big, meaty foods like we tend to feed in the aquarium. So repasties is great for them because they can kind of graze on it all day long. Yeah, I agree. Let me dog. That's why snails are so awesome for aquariums. Leftover food doesn't spoil or foul water. Shrimp can do the same in tanks that support them. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, I think any particles and stuff, absolutely. The kind of juice, though, from frozen food, I don't know if anything eats that because it's suspended in the water column. So maybe bacteria eat it, but that might actually be a problem. But yeah, I agree. Snails, shrimp, um, any little critters like that. I love them. I like tanks to be alive. Terri's tropical fish. How is gel food different than any other prepared food? It sits there. If they eat it, cool. If not, you remove it. That's true for other foods. Yeah, but the difference is this. Um, It's a lot easier to remove a chunk of rapashi that you put in if it's not eaten because you just reach in and remove it. It's really hard to find all the little pellets or all the little flakes you put in. They fell to the bottom and now maybe they're stuck in the gravel and stuff. You can't find that. I mean, maybe you get some of it out when you gravel vac, but you're probably not gravel vacuum daily. The other thing is those pellets and flakes tend to, like the rapashi, stays as a lump for a long time. The pellets and flakes will start breaking apart and turning into like tiny little particles a lot quicker than the rapashi, And then it's almost impossible to, you can't just reach in and remove that. That gets caught in your filter, which... Is what your filter is supposed to do but then it just increases the amount of waste that your aquarium has to the biological food that your aquarium has to process so it causes a lot more ammonia i think than rapashi. so that's the difference the rapashi is just easier to remove if it's not eaten or like i don't think most people would put in pellet uh flakes say and then put in enough that the fish could graze on them all day long right that would create a a problem eventually you get a lot of pollution going whereas Rapachi, you can put in a chunk big enough for several hours and because it stays together so well as a unit because it's a gel you don't have those issues so to me terry's tropical tanks that's the difference now there are people that um will feed like they have a tank full of small fish they'll feed a few big pellets And the fish will kind of graze on those. Usually they're long-time floating pellets. And then if the fish don't graze, they can take a net and scoop them out. So there are some other things that that you can do that with. But again, those pellets, I think, are going to turn into particulate matter a lot quicker than Rapashi will. So for me, that's the difference, Terry. Uh, Bathyphila, Lumpy Dog, have either of you used Rapashi in tanks with snails? Yeah, they love it. It seems like they would just mob it and prevent the fish from grazing on it after a few minutes that can be true if you have a ton of snails in there then yes that can absolutely happen so yes Um, but, but barring that i mean if you have just so many snails in there, then yeah, that's gonna happen. After 10 minutes or so, the fish aren't gonna get any more. At that point, you're just feeding your snails. So I don't generally keep tanks that way. I do have a couple tanks full of snails. They don't have fish in them because I want a bunch of snails for my puffers. In that case, yeah, throw in rapashi or whatever, you know, snails will eat it all. But um, if you have so many snails in your tank that they can do that, then yes, that would make the rapashi less effective as a long-term food. Michael Wilson, Belly Gobi ID. Um. let's see here Lentipus Ikea <laughs> Ikea or something like that well, let's see is that where's that one from it just depends I think that's the one from Singapore or Indonesia yeah I don't think that's the same one yeah, that's not. So that is the bluebelly goby that I'm familiar with. Um, the one I have now is completely different than that, as far as I can tell. It, it originates in China and it's a very different species, very different patterns. But uh, the reason I'm kind of like saying as far as I can tell is because they're still new, they're in quarantine. Gobies can change their color and patterns so much as they settle in or put on spawning dress and stuff that, I'm not exactly sure what they're going to look like in a little while, but just the fact that they're from China makes me think that they're not that fish. Unless like, is there anyone we're here that tells me where it's from? Um, unless that one is from China, but I think that's the Indonesian species yeah, that one's from, uh, Indonesia. So no, I don't think that's the fish. I think it's a different fish. I can get that fish, uh, frequently, like pretty much every week, the blue belly goby from Indonesia is available. Uh, this one from China, it's not very available. And so I was like, well, I'm going to try it while I can get it. And it seems to be a different fish. Um, yep. Hmm. Hey, Mob Guppy. Good to see ya. I just reached Bob Kaler's super chat. If folks are wondering where the heck is this guy in the chat, that's where I'm at. 44 Mag Guy 1. I'm getting my new tank this weekend. I'm so excited. Great stream. Hey, that's awesome. What size? What you going to do with it? What are the plans, man? What are the plans? Lumpy Dog. New getgills.com idea. Want ads. Yeah, I mean wish lists are great. So that is that is something to consider um to get on the list. I Are you saying that people could put up stuff that they're looking for and so a supplier could be like, "Hey, I have some of those. Let me contact that person." That's not a bad idea. Um I'd have to talk to my technical partner and see, I have all kinds of ideas, but then it comes down to, can it actually be engineered easily <laughs> off the back of the code structure in the database we have? So, um, but yeah, I think something like that could be cool. Matthew Phila, you'll need to look for a piece of property with an irrigation right to it. Yeah. Water rights. Yep. Absolutely. I'd have to have water rights and all that stuff. The EPA would have a field day with that. Well, maybe... But there are, there are hatcheries here already. They just raise like trout and game fish. So I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the, so it's so early. Like, I don't know if this is possible or not. But my thought is bring it in, run it through the tanks. Then run it through like a, a charcoal system or something to kind of purify it. And then run it back out to the creek. So it's taking water in going through the tanks, being purified, and going right back out. So that's that's kind of how I see it working, but I I haven't done any more than be like, hey, if I could make that work, that would be cool. Like that's, that's all, that's all we're at. So yeah, the EPA might be like, that cannot work. I don't know. Don't know. Okay, Adakin. Do you know of any treatment that will eliminate ostracoda copepods from a fish tank? Yes, Dimolin X. This stuff is amazing. Um, and it'll do it. In fact, this is what I use like if I have a tank where a scud population gets out of control. Um, let me just show you this stuff. Dimolin Yeah. Here you go. This is what I use. A tiny bit of dimelin is going to last you forever. I think it takes a quarter of a teaspoon to treat a hundred gallons. And yeah, so that'll last you forever. What dimelin does is it prevents the um, organism from shedding properly so anything with an exoskeleton like a keratin kind of exoskeleton will be basically killed by dimelin because it won't be able to molt properly that's how it works so it's great for that kind of stuff um, now just be aware though it kills anything with an exoskeleton like that so if you have shrimp like neocaridinas or caridinas or anything like that it's going to wipe them out so just be aware it'll take care of those too. <laughs> so, but yeah, it'll it'll work pretty darn quick with a couple treatments, depending on the life cycle and how long the eggs go and stuff, because it probably doesn't kill them in the egg stage. Um, but yeah, I have really good luck with dimolin; Like that stuff a lot. Robert P., do you ever try to DIY stuff? Just curious. Yeah, I DIY'd this entire fish room. Like, I, I built it. I literally... Put the floor in, built all the racks, put all the lighting in, installed the water change system myself, like everything here was DIY. The only thing in here that wasn't really DIY was like, I don't know, the tanks themselves, the sponge filters, you know, some other stuff. But in general, I do. Now, my DIY is a little different though. I, I'm a guy that likes a bare tank with a sponge filter and a box filter, like that's it so I don't get crazy trying to like build my own canister filters or big like uh, I don't know like over tank sumps or you know anything like that so it's pretty simple DIY stuff but yeah I, I like it in fact if you go back early on my channel I made videos of the whole process of building this fish room and it's pretty much all DIY so from the floor up I think I have videos on like drilling the tanks installing the automatic water change system the lighting uh, pretty much all of it so check it out if you're into that stuff but yeah i do it's the only way to do things affordably if you're doing them at a a large at a certain scale until you get to a really large scale then it's like no you have to hire people because you can't get it done it's too much work wichita glad you're here hello wichita welcome richard crackle 53 watching hey we're still doing good richard crackle by the way love that name it just reminds me of like a chocolate crackle bar makes me a little hungry when i see your name (laughs) can panagari live with peacock cichlids um i don't know if they can i've never tried it i mean my gut is to say that i would never try that but maybe someone in here is like hey i do that all the time and it works great but no i never have uh tried that and my instinct without having tried it or seen anyone else tried is that that i just wouldn't <laughs> i think you'd have problems i think the pandagara would just get thrashed james glenn do you know if anyone is breeding pandagara domestically not that i know of i think that they're all wild caught or if they are being bred okay let me hmm i'd have to check my lists again they might be being bred in captivity, but it's not like you and me breeding them in our aquariums. It would probably be big fish farms and they're probably using like hormone injections and things like that to breed them, like they do with clown loaches and things like that. So the reason I'm pausing, I'm trying to remember if I'm seeing them available from many different countries or different you know areas. If I am, then it means they're being commercially bred Most likely, if they're only available in like one country or one area, um, then they're probably wild caught because they're just catching them from that spot. And I'm trying to remember if they're coming from many different countries or not. And I can't remember right now, but if they are breeding them, I'd almost guarantee it's with hormone injections. Garas, loaches, um, a lot of the sharks, red tail sharks, uh, Sopranids of that type, Is they they're 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 bred a lot commercially i don't know if gars are but the ones that are bred commercially are generally bred uh using hormones it's it's really hard to breed those fish quote unquote naturally 44 mag guy one 55 gallon gonna try some white cloud minnows or guppies perfect you'll have the 55 gallon white cloud tank Lumpy Dog will have the 90-gallon White Cloud tank. What did you decide, Jeff, on that? Are you doing the uh, 90-gallon White Cloud extravaganza? (laughs) But, Mad Guy, that sounds like an awesome tank. That sounds like a lot of beauty and uh, hardy fish. Awesome. Cody Donovan, do you ever get checkerboard? Oh, man, cichlids. I love them. They're on the lists occasionally. I've never seen them at a price that makes sense. If I ever do an import from South America directly on my own license and don't go through a wholesaler, I'll probably get them because then it would make sense. But what the wholesalers charge for them, uh, they would be so expensive. I can't remember how expensive they would be, but what was it? I I don't remember, but I remember every time I see them because I like that fish a lot checking them out and every time I'm like, ooh, that's too much. I have to be careful because here's the thing. I I usually have to buy fish in lots of like a lot, like a hundred, sometimes 500, sometimes 600. It just depends on the fish. Um, Sometimes I can get them for less quantity, but it it really depends. Spade tails or checkerboards, I think what we generally call them, cichlids are a small cichlid. And so generally you have to buy A lot of them and so if I buy a hundred of them and let's say I have to charge 30 bucks for them based on the price I paid for them I don't remember if it's that but it's something then there's a few diehard people that'll be like I've been wanting that fish forever yes and they'll get them and I'll sell a few that way but I'll probably be left with 60 or 70 of them that I can't move because not that many people are gonna be willing to pay that price for that fish. Um, so it's that kind of thing. And again, I don't remember if it was 30 bucks or 20 or 50 that I'd have to charge. I don't remember the price, but I remember kind of doing the thinking in the back of my head and being like, oh man, if I could only get a dozen at that price, I'd totally do it because there's at least a dozen people that want that fish at that price. But I have to be careful. I can, like one of the worst things to happen for someone in my position is to get something that I really think is cool especially something pricey. And then like a year later, still have it. Like I I still have it. Like that tank's still tied up. I'm not turning the tables at the restaurant, right? So if I ever find them at a price that makes sense, I'll get them. Or at a quantity that makes sense, uh, I'll get them. So the other issue is um, sometimes... So some of the suppliers are from areas with pretty soft water, and that's what I tend to go with. There's a few suppliers that live in areas with super hard water. And if I have to, i will get fish from them, but it's a lot harder to get fish to adjust from hard water to soft water. That's difficult. It's a lot easier to get fish to adjust from soft water to hard water. So if I ever did get that fish, I'd hopefully find it from a soft water source because I have soft water. And uh, at a price and quantity that made sense. That's that's kind of the issues there. 52 watching, lost a few. Oh, oh, um, that's all right. We've been going a while, so I'm not too surprised. So Cody, I'm sorry. That's a fish that I I look for every week because I really like it. Attakin, I can't believe I've never heard of dimolin. This is awesome info. Yeah, use it. Any any anything with an exoskeleton, man. Skipper's Aquariums, 54 watching. I am still waiting on my tree of cauliflower swords. All right. All right. Yeah. Well, the good news is I have some males now. I put in another order because so many people wanted males. The bad news is there's out of like the minimum I can order those in is a quantity of 30. Um, I can get them in a little less quantity just because they're such a big fish that it doesn't take as many to fill a bag. But out of that, there were only... I didn't get an accurate count, but it's only a small percentage were males. So we might be talking like six males out of that whole group. So I've got six males out of that 30 plus I have all the other females from the previous order. The only reason I did this order was to get some males (laughs) because the previous order was pretty much like all females. So, yeah. Yeah. But I mean... Hopefully they do well. They appear to be doing well. They appear to be, like, young and robust and, and in good shape. So hopefully they'll be ready soon and I can list some males. Bob Kalers, hate to say it out loud for fear it will happen, but has anyone treated Ick in a saltwater tank and how? Ooh. Ooh. Not I. I've, I've never done it in saltwater. Um, Yeah can't help you with that one man hopefully someone else can oh cool cool looks like bathy phila had some ideas all right great well since i can't help you with that i'll be moving on i'll be watching jw aquariums i have some nice gold barbs that did the my fahaka i'm afraid she is ready to promote them to her menu soon so time to take them out yeah (laughs) Forty-four mag guy one. Thanks. You're welcome. All right, we've reached the bottom of the chat. We've been going for an hour and 24 minutes, so we'll shut it down here pretty soon. If anyone here has a question or comment they want me to get to like tonight before we end, post it now. Make it at Dan's fish. I'll see it. I'll respond. Because um, in a couple minutes here, we're going to start kind of wrapping things up. Um, before we wrap up, I just want to say thanks to my moderators. Appreciate y'all really like truly you guys are the best thanks um super chats how cool is it to be able to first of all just get on a computer and talk fish with other fish geeks like i haven't talked about this in a while but i live in the middle of like nowhere wyoming there there aren't a lot of fish geeks for me to interact with and i come from los angeles like in california I've lived all over California, but most recently Southern California, and there were a ton of clubs there, and a million fish geeks, and tons of stores, and wholesalers, and importers, and stuff. And so, something I really miss is the ability to like just have fish geeks to hang out with one on one. And this is, you're my fish geeks. You're like my community because I have a few great folks here, but in a town of like eighteen thousand, which is literally six hours from any major city there's not a lot of fish people so i love getting on here just geeking out fish and to do that and then have people like throw money at me it's amazing so thank you to all the super chatters it's never required but it's always greatly appreciated and it makes the wife super happy so (laughs) thanks to all you anyone that like helped anyone that had a question uh that i didn't get to or that wasn't at me or whatever thanks for helping out and all you lurkers I'm with you. All right, Dubrex21. Hey, I moved my Australian glass fish. Oh, cool. I, you know what, I, I confess Dubrex, I've been pretty busy the last couple of weeks, so I haven't been, I'm not caught up on your videos. I mean to though. Um, moved my Australian glass fish into a six foot tank so I can see them properly. They've been in a highly stained tannins, katapa leaves tank. I still have seven so i could monitor them yeah cool well good i'm I'm glad you have some hope they do well for you long term and that's such a cool fish and man australia has so many awesome fish that unless things change in a major way we're never gonna have in the united states like laxus um some of the perch man you guys have some cool stuff oh well i mean we have cool stuff too and you probably can't get our stuff very easily so i guess it goes both ways but like some of our darters and shiners or stuff are just amazing. But, man, I'm, I'm glad you have them. Skippers Aquariums, thank you for the great info. Hey, you're welcome. All right, everybody. Thanks for being – wait, 63 watching now. All right. Okay, so here's – so Corey must have ended. <laughs> We're getting Corey's sloppy seconds. Glad you're all here, uh, Corey's folks. Um, I was about to shut it down, but since you're all here, if you have a question or comment for me, make it at Dan's Fish. I'll take some time and get to you. Um, if, if folks don't do that, that's fine. We can, we can end here, but since a bunch of new folks showed up, if anyone has any questions, we can take another minute. Um, (laughs) candy. Hey, I'm no sloppy second (laughs) candy. Glad you made it. Glad you made it. Hope you're doing well. Please give my best to, uh, to the family. Um, all right. Everyone's saying hi. Well, thanks for coming folks. Um, you've reached the end, but check it out. It was a pretty good stream. Talked about some cool stuff we got in and some of it I, you probably have never seen before. I got some stuff in that, that I've never seen before. We talked about it earlier in the stream, like those loaches on the thumbnail. They're fantastic. Like they're, they're really, really great. So might be worth uh, watching the replay, which we'll get to in just a second. Um, HD JC86 at Dan's Fish. It didn't highlight. So I'm guessing you're on a phone. How can I get the blue instead of the gold form of pseudomugil Gertrude Ooh. Well, you can fly over to <laughs> I don't know if those are in Papua New Guinea or in Australia, but you might have to get them yourself. I don't know. I've never I've never seen them available. Um, if anyone here has a source, let's help HDJC86 out and let them know. But I personally have only really seen the um, gold form. I think it's the ro 2 population is the one that's most prevalent around. So blue form, I can't help you with. I'm sorry. I wish I could. Rathifilla, aside from Rapashi, are there any other ways you found to feed your fry when you can't be around during the day? Yeah, live food live food that'll last so believe it or not baby brine shrimp will last quite a while in fresh water if you put a squirt of that in in the morning mid-afternoon in my water at least they're still alive so that can that can do it same thing with microworms and vinegar eels vinegar eels will last a few days in fresh water so you can do with rapashi for some fish um, some baby fish really won't eat anything but live food though or won't eat anything but live food at first sometimes so it just depends on how strong their predator drive is some of them um are dedicated predators and it's movement that triggers them some are like i don't like quarries or like i don't know we're just like browsing through everything and anything that is edible kind of we swallow so it just depends but yeah live food works okay aquatics you put he will see your comment. Yeah, if you put at Dan's Fish, the at symbol, no space, then start typing Dan's, Dan's Fish. Then, um, Devin, I'll see your comment. But let me scroll up and see. Candy is a co-op employee. Dan, can you believe it? That's crazy cool. Okay, so was there a reveal um, Was there a reveal during the live stream? Did I miss something, Candy? I mean, I, I've had an inkling. But, um, yeah, <laughs> has there been an announcement or something? Aquarium main maniac. Okay. So if you have a question or comment for me, the easiest way to get me to see it and respond is make it at Dan's fish. So type the at symbol and then start typing Dan's fish without a space between the at symbol and the Dan's fish. It'll highlight, select it, and then it'll be something I see and get right too. So if I'm not getting your question or comment, it's just because it's not highlighting for me and I'm not seeing it. But um, let's see here. James Glenn, thanks, Dan. I always enjoy your live stream. Well, thanks for being here. Okay. Hang on. Where was it? Do angelfish eat black worms? Asks Aquarium Maniac. Yes. <laughs> they love them. Be careful though. You don't want to bloat your angelfish. So feed them, but I wouldn't feed exclusively blackworms. Um, and if you fed blackworms, say in the morning, then in the evening, I would feed like some brine shrimp or something that's got some fiber to it that can kind of help clean them out. So they'll absolutely love blackworms. Um, and they'll gorge on them. And I feed mine blackworms. I just don't do it all the time. I don't want them to bloat that being said there's probably someone in here that has fed their angelfish nothing but blackworms for like three years and has the biggest healthiest angelfish ever but it's just something I worry about cichlids 23 hey good to see you I'll rewatch the beginning but what was your favorite fish that you got this week oh that's hard um oh man I got a lot of cool stuff so I got some um Wallace Acromis humulus which I just found out is a new genus it used to be pelvic Acromis humulus so cool cichlid from West Africa I think the best surprise though was those uh gold line loaches the thumbnail picture for this live stream and the reason is is because when I ordered them I wasn't sure exactly what I was ordering it was a bit of a gamble um but I'm glad I did order them because what showed up is a stunning, amazing, great little fish. I'm just excited about them. So I'm going to go with that just because it was such a cool surprise. Every now and then I do a gamble like that. Sometimes what I get, I'm just like, oh, man. Like the other day, I ordered uh, something called, what was it? Like a yellow panchax or something. And I knew it might be a golden wonder, but I was hoping it was something different. no. They're just an expensive golden wonder. It's just another name for golden wonder killies. So, now, I like golden wonders. They're cool fish. But um, what I was hoping for was a wild form of Aplicaillus lineatus instead of the gold morph. But, you know, you don't win them all. But every now and then, you uh, gamble and it pays off. (laughs) You're going to have to pay mods overtime for this stream. Well, Lumpy Candy's here now, so go have your coffee break. (laughs) okay aquatics i saw candy refer to the co-op as we i'm on the payroll for a few weeks now cool cool that's awesome yeah i kind of figured i kind of figured candy but good i'm glad it's all official and announced now all right 59 watching oh i hate to end it but i think we've kind of reached the end we've been going for over an hour and a half here so i'm gonna go ahead and shut it down Anyone that didn't catch the, the rest of the stream is probably worth a replay. If you haven't liked or subscribed or hit the notification bell or any of that schmaz, we're always asking you to do, and you're so inclined, then I invite you to do so. Um, killifish at dancefish.com are all half off until March. So if you like killifish or you've been thinking about getting into them, uh, great prices until March. Every killifish at dancefish.com is 50% off until March. Good deal. And if you have fish to sell, check out getgills.com. It's a great place to list your fish for sale. Or if you're looking to buy some fish, check it out. See what other folks have for sale. Anyway, thanks, everybody. Candy, glad you got here. Everyone that just showed up, thanks for being here. But I was about to shut it down when you showed up. And uh, I'm going to go tuck my kids in for night-night time. So thanks again, everybody. We'll be back next Wednesday, 7 p.m. Mountain Time, like every week. Bye-bye.